This morning's reading is from 1 Peter 4, starting from verse 12. It will be on the screen behind me. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sacrifice, as the, in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Good morning. It's really nice to see you all. If I haven't met you before, I'm Reuben. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're about to get stuck into uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, keep a Bible open there if you can. We'll be working through those verses that we just read together. And I want to start by uh, telling you about uh, three soldiers who were sitting in a trench. Uh, it was freezing cold, there was snow everywhere, and they were huddled around this little can of cold beans sharing it between the three of them. And the first soldier said, this sucks. I hate this. I just want to go home. I really just want a warm shower and a real meal. Sounds, sounds like a joke. It's not a joke. It's not, it's not, there's no punchline to this. The second soldier said, well, suck it up, princess. Um, that's just life. Life wasn't meant to be easy, and if it's any comfort to you, well, you'll probably be dead soon, and then, then it'll be over. And the third soldier said, guys, we're nearly there. Uh, just a few more weeks, this war is going to be over and we are going to go home to our countries as heroes. And our grandchildren are going to grow up in a land of peace. I wonder what perspective you tend to have when things get hard, when life involves suffering. And I suspect that that first soldier represents how a lot of us feel about suffering. We, we hate it. It's bad, it's, it's abnormal, right? Suffering should be avoided if possible, and if you have to go through it, let's get it over and done with quickly and get back to how things were meant to be. That's what I'm like. I hate being sick. I hate being in a relationship that's tense with someone. Uh, I hate it when the people I love are suffering. But maybe you've heard people who sound more like the second soldier. Well, suffering's just normal, I say. You know, that's just how the world works, and the best thing you can do is get used to it. Life's hard. Or maybe you've occasionally met that rare person who sounds more like the third soldier. Uh, people who, who, who manage to have a perspective on life that is somehow very optimistic and joyful, even as they go through really hard things. Maybe great sickness, maybe suffering. That's, that's quite an attractive way to live. 
but it, it's pretty hard to actually live like that, isn't it? Unless you're one of those people who are just extremely optimistic. And yet in the passage we just read, the Apostle Peter actually says there is a way that you can suffer and yet be full of joy. He's not talking about some kind of blind optimism where you hide in your room and you just put unicorn posters all around you and watch Disney movies. He's talking about a perspective in which you can think about suffering and understand suffering. He's talking about a hope that is so powerful it can shine light into the darkest situation. Isn't that what we all need? How can we have a life like this? Well, well, Peter says it comes through being a Christian. Somehow, by following Jesus, we can have that. Which might be a surprise to you because, well, being a Christian doesn't always look very fun or easy, does it? I suspect there are even Christians sitting here today who feel like this. Maybe you're a young person, you've grown up in this church since day dot, and you kind of, yeah, you kind of believe in Jesus and you... And you want to follow him, but you can't shake this feeling that the Christian life doesn't look very appealing. Maybe you've been following along through our sermon series in 1 Peter so far, and you've heard Peter talk about how we need to be alert and of sober mind. And we need to get rid of sin in our lives, and we need to be dedicated to God and pursue holiness and and be prepared to suffer. And you can't help but feel like Peter is saying, guys, the Christian life is a grit your teeth, suck it up, drink some concrete kind of life. And I think that's actually why Peter is coming back again to the theme of suffering in chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. He's already talked about suffering a lot in this letter, but he's not quite done because there is something crucial that he really doesn't want us to miss. Peter wants us to be absolutely clear that the Christian life is the good life. It's it's the best life. It's the joyful life. Not just one day, but even right now. Yes, it's a life of suffering and sacrifice. But it is also a life of deeper happiness and peace and hope and joy than you will find anywhere else in the world. That's a big claim. Let's test it out. Let's look at what Peter says to us in verses 12 to 19. How does being a Christian enable us to suffer with joy? How could you experience joy even in your suffering? Well, we're going to see three things today. And the first is this, not surprised. Peter says Christians are not surprised that life involves suffering. See how he starts there in verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. There's a sense in which Peter's partly agreeing with the second soldier in the trench, isn't he? You know, the one who said, well, get used to it, mate, life is rough. That's actually what the Bible tells us, isn't it? That our world is broken and fallen. Why? Because, well, it's full of people who are all doing whatever they want. We've all turned away from our loving God, who knows what's good for us. 
and the result is that we're in a worldwide mess of selfishness and hurt. But Peter's saying something more than that too. He's saying life is particularly hard for followers of Jesus. When you become a Christian, things don't suddenly get easier. In fact, Peter says, no, they get, they get harder. They get harder because in addition to all the general suffering and pain and evil and sorrow of life on this earth, Christians become the kid at school who doesn't fit in, the kid who gets bullied. Christians start swimming towards God, but they are swimming against the current. The current of the river is going in the opposite direction, rushing away from God. Don't be surprised, Peter says. When I see the Facebook comments on Martin Isles' post from the ACL, I see many surprised Christians. Somewhere along the way, after so many decades of comfort and freedom in Australia, we've come to think that it's always going to be this way and that it should always be that way. Maybe some of us just didn't really know what we were in for when we became Christians. Maybe we were like that guy who went to the footy club on Saturday Arvo and uh, he saw everyone laughing and drinking beer and having a great time and he thought, this looks like a bit of all right. And so he joined the club and he got a rude shock when he rocked up to training on Thursday night and it was an hour of sprints and burpees. How can we get through the fiery ordeal without being surprised, without letting it make us miserable? Well, we really need to know that suffering comes standard with Christianity. It's part of God's plan. It's been the experience of all God's people throughout time. And it was most especially the experience of Jesus Christ, wasn't it? In John 15, Jesus says to his followers, he says to us, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. That's the key. This world isn't our home anymore because Jesus has chosen us out of it. Peter's been telling us that again and again, hasn't he? Do you remember that? Right back in chapter 1, verse 1, he, he said to God's elect exiles. Exiles because you don't belong in the world anymore. But elect because God has chosen you out of it to belong to himself. So Christians aren't basically like other people. We saw in chapter 1, verse 3, that we've been born again and totally remade. We saw that Jesus has ransomed us with his precious blood. We saw in chapter 2 that we are now God's special possession, His chosen people. Christian, if you're surprised that things are getting harder, if you're shocked that one day we might lose our freedom of speech, of religion, of education, it's worth taking a moment to ask why you're feeling like that. Could it be because you've gotten too comfy in this world? Have you been treating this temporary dwelling like a permanent home? 
like someone who goes on a one-week holiday in a tent and rocks up to the caravan park with a full removal truck and starts unloading their couch and their TV and their bed and their wardrobe. Peter says the first step to finding joy in our suffering is, is to expect it. Not surprised. And so there's a sense in which Peter is agreeing with the second soldier in the trench who says, well, get used to it because life is hard. And Peter says, yeah, that's, that's true. Living in this world does involve suffering, especially for Christians. But that's not all. Peter has a lot more hope and comfort to offer than that soldier. Because he now goes on to say that we're not, just surpri- we're not surprised by suffering, but we're also not alone in suffering. That's our second point. We can suffer with joy because we're not alone. Read uh, verses 13 and 14 with me. Peter says, Rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Rejoicing. How how is that possible? I mean, rejection hurts, doesn't it? Insults hurt. Harsh words hurt. Being left out hurts. It can leave us feeling worthless and alone and unwanted, unloved. In my own life, I think probably one of the main things that I have found hard about being a Christian in the world is not that I've faced really strong hostility or persecution, but I have often felt left out because of my faith. Uh, My friendships with, with people at school or uni or at work, they just often were not as deep as other people's friendships because they didn't watch the same things as me. We wouldn't spend our weekends in the same way. We didn't value the same things. And it can be lonely out there. How can Peter say rejoice? Well, verse 13, every, every time you suffer or find life hard, because of your faith, even in some little way, you're experiencing something that Christ also experienced. Peter says you're participating in his sufferings. Those hardships are confirming that you really do belong to Christ, not this world. In those moments when you don't fit in, that's actually when you fit perfectly into your new family. That's actually the moment when you bear a beautiful family resemblance with your older brother, Jesus. And Peter says, you can rejoice in that. Every time an unbeliever pushes you away, they actually push you closer to Christ and and you lean on him more and you pray to him more and you appreciate his love more you become more like him and you're reminded that one day he's coming back to bring you home and in that moment verse 13 says we'll be completely overjoyed we will experience an overwhelming 
sense of coming home, of complete belonging, so beautiful you can't find words to express it. I used to work in a coffee shop, and every Saturday morning, all these funny-looking people would walk in. Uh, they click-clacked into the shop, wearing their noisy shoes, and they had these slinky lycra outfits on and helmets. Uh, cyclists often get teased for what they wear. But if a cyclist loves, loves riding, and he has his heart set on being the fastest, and he wants to win the Tour de France then the insults that he cops for what he wears, they're like water off a duck's back. The cyclist has found something precious. He's found something he's willing to suffer for. What about you? Have you found something you're willing to suffer for? If you're not a Christian here today, that's something worth thinking about. Because you're going to suffer too. That's, that's part of the world we live in. The question is, how, how are you going to cope with that? If this world that you call home, if it one day chews you up and spits you out like it always does, where will you turn? What if in your heart you knew that God was smiling on you? What if the most important person in the whole world loved you and had chosen you? What if he was coming back soon to move you out of this tent into his mansion? How much would that be worth to you? Would it be worth a few insults? Worth losing a friend over? Worth a few hard years? Verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ... You are blessed. Why? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. When the world pushes you away, God draws you near. And he smiles and he whispers in your ear through the spirit, it's okay, dear child, I'm with you. You're mine. Could there be anything more precious than that? Anything more joyful? That's why Peter can say in verse 16, Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear the name. Well, I asked at the start whether you sometimes feel like the Christian life is, is a bit of a sort of a grit your teeth, drink some concrete kind of life. And from the outside, it might look like that. But from the inside, those who really love Jesus, they know that they're living the best life. Because they're living the blessed life. So how can Christians suffer with joy? Well, because they're not surprised by suffering. And they're not alone in suffering. But Peter's not quite done yet. Because although it's nice and helpful to know that suffering should be expected, and although it's nice to know that God is with us in the midst of it all, don't we also need to know that our suffering is worthwhile? that it's going to achieve something, that it's not pointless. And that's the third thing Peter tells us. We can suffer with joy because we know it's not in vain. Not surprised, not alone, not in vain. Read, read verse 17 with me. It, it's a little bit odd. 
For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? What's Peter saying there? He's saying that right now, God's household, the church, is being judged. Which doesn't mean we're being punished for sin. Peter's already told us that Jesus has died for all the guilt of our sin. But God is judging us in the sense that He is testing us, refining us, disciplining us, purifying us. Notice back in verse 12. The fiery ordeal has come on you. Why? To test you. Why do you put gold into a fire? To purify it. You might remember that's actually exactly what Peter said back in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. He says, Now for a little while we may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come, why? So that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. God is a holy God and he can't live with people who are filthy with sin. And the question is, I think this is what Peter's driving at, the question is how will God deal with the sin in in my life and and in your life? How will he deal with your rebellious heart which naturally is self-focused rather than God-focused? Peter's saying there are two options. Either you can put your faith in Jesus, you can have your guilt washed away at the cross, and you can suffer in this life as God purifies and refines your faith. If you take that option, well, the outcome is going to be an eternity in paradise with God, holy in His presence. Or, the other option, you can do whatever you want in this life. Do whatever you want. Knock yourself out. Live it up. Ignore God, uh, but that option ends in eternal judgment. Because when Jesus returns, you'll be too filthy to be in his presence. What would you rather? The uh, short-term suffering, long-term pleasure option, or the short-term pleasure, long-term suffering option? If you're here this morning and you haven't put your trust in Jesus, I think Peter's words here are a bit of a warning. Actually, they're a lot of a warning. Because if you think the Christian life looks hard now, you should wait and see how hard it will get for those who aren't Christians yet. Verse 18 says, If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Will you take the the narrow, winding goat trail that leads to eternal life, or will you take the six-lane highway that leads to hell? If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, Peter wants to encourage you. He says, I know it's hard, but be assured it is not in vain. It's all part of God's grace. And it is preparing you for glory. It's preparing us for glory. 
he finishes with these very encouraging words in verse 19. Great advice. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Uh, imagine someone is trudging through deep snow and they've got a heavy burden on their back. Uh, they're a prisoner of war in a concentration camp and their slave driver is working them to the bone and will work them until they drop down dead. But now imagine another person also trudging through deep snow with a heavy burden on their back, except this person is an athlete and beside them is not a slave driver but a coach. And the coach is monitoring their heart rate and handing them supplements and giving them words of encouragement and training them hard so they will be ready to win the race. Christian, your suffering is part of God's will, not given to you from a slave driver, but from a father, from a faithful creator. So commit yourself to him, trust him, just keep doing good. As we finish, let me ask you this question. I think, I think this is the key question in this text, really. Where do you belong? Or perhaps more importantly, where do you want to belong? Whose, whose approval and favor and blessing do you care about most? Other people's or God's? If the answer is other people's, then this world is, is going to hurt you and break you. Because so many of us, myself included, we have come to idolize being liked and being comfortable. And idols always let us down. They never can bear the weight of expectation that we put on them. But if you pin your hope on God and you belong to Him and you delight in that, then rejection from this world won't break you. In fact, it will make you. Why? Because it will help you rest in your true identity. An exile in this world, but, but God's chosen, adopted, eternally loved child. And it will remind you there is something bigger to live for and bigger to invest in than yourself. Young people, young men in particular, I want, I want you to hear this. God is calling you to something bigger and harder and costlier than anyone else in this world will ever call you to. What are your friends calling you to do? To join them in playing video games and sport? To drink with them? To chase girls with them? To work hard and get rich with them? To compare four-wheel drives and boats with them? What is your society calling you to do? Isn't it to believe whatever social media tells you? That gender is fluid. It tells you about abortion being a woman's right. It tells you, tells you that marriage is a place where fun and sex go to slowly die. It tells you that God is irrelevant. It tells you that working hard for your boss is lame. 
and that giving up a hobby to spend more time with your wife is weak, and that having a cup of tea with your grandma is a waste of time, and that giving up an evening every week to serve in a church ministry is unsustainable? What a miserable existence. I'm going really hard on you, I know, but I love you. (laughs) How miserable to live your life for nothing more than yourself and your small, underwhelming cravings. To quote Jordan Peterson, why is this about you? Do you even want it to be about you? God's Word says to us, what if it was about God and His glory? What if it was about His global mission to rescue people from darkness and bring them into a kingdom of everlasting joy? Is that a cause big enough to stir your heart? Is that a cause important enough that you would sacrifice for it and suffer for it? Men, women, young people of Riverbank, come and suffer for Jesus. Come and suffer with Jesus. Here is something worth living for and dying for. You think it will be miserable? You're wrong. It'll be joyful. It will ground you. It will grow you. And hallelujah, it won't be all about you. It will be about the glory of God. It will be so that, look back in verse 11, in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You say, well, what if I'm a Christian and I'm not suffering right now? Well, that's not necessarily a problem. We live in a society that still has a lot of respect for Christian values. I think a lot of us, we still hear people say, oh, you're a Christian. Oh, yeah, fair enough. That's, that's good for you. Keep it to yourself, but that's all good. But Peter is calling us to expect suffering. And so if we're not suffering, we should pause and we should reflect on whether that could be because we're actually hiding our faith and we're not taking it seriously and we don't want to stick our neck out. And if that's true, then I do wonder whether God really is the thing that you care about most in life. But it could just simply be that we're not in that situation yet. And that's okay. The main point of this passage is not make sure you're suffering for your faith. No, it's to make sure that the main thing is the main thing in your life. Make sure your roots are planted in God and in His kingdom, not this world. And then it won't matter what storms come. We will not be surprised. We will not be alone. And it will not be in vain. Let's pray together. Lord, we know that you are a big God who doesn't fit into normal categories because there are not many people out there today gathering people with the call, come and suffer. That is almost unheard of in our society today. But we thank you that that's the call you give us. 
We thank you that it comes with a cost. We thank you that you don't want an hour from us on Sunday, but you want our lives. And you want us to realize that you're not a hobby. You're not a part-time thing because you're too great for that. You're too beautiful for that. You deserve all the glory. You made this world. You're the creator. You're the savior. You are our hope for the future. Our future will be a joyful, eternal glory with you. And so we thank you, Lord, that you wake us up to that and you make us take it seriously. And you walk with us every step of the way. You promise that all the suffering you send will be worth it and that we will not be alone in it. Lord, for anyone here today who is still unsure if they are ready to jump off the deep end and go all in for you, pray, Lord, that they would count the cost and realize that it is so worth it. Show them more of Jesus, his grace, his truth, his complete and utter glory, and the joy it is to know him and be loved by him. Strengthen us all, we pray. Whatever comes ahead, Lord, please prepare us for suffering. Help us to be ready. May we not be surprised, and may we know that you're with us, and it's not in vain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.